Hello and welcome to the Mindful Times community. My name is Demi Davidson. Today I am stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm going to share my story. So I have some big things coming up for 2020. So if you follow the Mindful Times community, you may have seen that I started a podcast a couple months ago. Basically, the idea for that is that I've been doing the blog for a little over a year now. And from talking to people, it just seems that we are just so busy with day-to-day -day life that people are having trouble sitting down and actually reading a blog, which I totally get. It works for some people, but not for others. So my idea with the podcast was to actually just take my blogs and read them and record myself reading them so that I could turn it into a podcast version for people to listen to. So this is sometimes easier for people to listen on their drive to work or while they're folding laundry so they're not actually having to sit and read. Totally get it and it's actually been working out really well. So what ended up happening was I wrote a blog post and did a podcast on Annie Grace's book This Naked Mind which is a book that absolutely 100% helped me get sober and stay sober. So I did a blog and a podcast on her and her book, and she ended up sharing it on her social media sites, which I am like so grateful for. When she did that, the uh, my Mindful Times page and my podcast ended up getting a little bit more exposure, which is amazing. And I had a few people reach out um, that I'm super excited about that want to be a guest on my podcast. So to be completely transparent, when I'm doing the podcast, it's literally me sitting here in our little studio apartment, uh, just me and the microphone. And so I am a total introvert, but, you know, sitting here by myself recording has been kind of therapeutic and pretty easy for me because it's just me and I can edit it if I mess up. So not a ton of pressure, which has been great. But now that I have people reaching out wanting to be on the podcast, I am going to have to step out of my comfort zone and start recording and getting people uh, booking guests on the podcast. Along with that, I've also lined up about 10 people who are pretty influential in the sobriety community who will be doing guest posts on the Mindful Times blog, sharing their story. So I'm super excited. Things are growing and couldn't be happier, but I was thinking, I'm reaching out to these people who are so brave to want to share their story on such a public platform, and I'm asking them to share their story about how they got sober and the struggles that they've had with alcohol, and... The fact that I'm reaching out to them, asking them to share their story, it made me take a look at myself and realize that I haven't even shared my full story with you guys. And with my blog, I 
put bits and pieces of my story in there just to make it more relatable so that you can see how I've learned throughout this process of my own journey. So today I wanted to get a little bit vulnerable and if I'm going to ask other people to share their stories then I need to share mine. So let's get into it. This might be long and I will be honest straight up. I've had some trauma in my past and I'm learning that trauma does affect the brain and the memory and so my timelines are pretty off or just a little confusing even to myself so that's actually a goal of mine in the next couple of weeks it's something that I've been avoiding because I know that it will be really tough but writing out my timeline so starting with my earliest memories until now just trying to piece together my past and figure out you know what happened at certain points and I'm sure other things will come up and other memories will come up through this process be a heavy one but I just want to let you guys know that um, my dates and my year range are kind of ballpark so where do we begin I think we begin as a child my parents divorced when I was eight years old and I think divorce is tough for any family and I definitely had a hard time understanding but I've always just had super thick skin and always have been more mature for my age and so I think I just like buckled up and got ready for whatever was about to happen so my mom ended up moving out and I stayed living with my dad and I had my first drink when I was 11 years old. I don't even know what grade that is, but it's very young. So for me in middle school, I was always hanging out with the older crowd where I grew up. Uh, it seemed pretty common that people that young were dabbling in drinking and drugs. So it always just seemed kind of normal to me, to be honest. So when I drank when I was 11, so bad, but I'm just going to share my first drink story with you guys. Me and my girlfriend, uh, we had a sleepover and, <laughs> oh, so bad. Remind you, this is age 11. Uh, we snuck out and met up with some boys who were not old enough to drive yet, but had stole their grandma's car for the night to come pick us up. We are all underage, not even legal driving age, in a stolen car, and we head over to the beach, and this is like Oceanside Beach, I think, or Carlsbad or something like that. But, uh, so there, there's people camping with their RVs and stuff, and a lot of people would leave their coolers just out overnight. So what we did was we went and the boys ended up stealing wine and liquor and beer from all these different coolers. And we got drunk at the beach. And I don't really remember. I think it was some type of really sweet 
wine or like a wine cooler that was my first drink and we drank a lot we drank a lot and I was so sick the next day and we were having to hide it from our parents and it was a disaster luckily we didn't get in any legal trouble and we didn't hurt anybody which I'm so grateful for but something ended up happening where the girl I was with had a boyfriend and he found out that we were hanging out with these boys and the boys ended up getting into a fist fight at school so when the principal called everybody in somebody ended up spilling the beans and all of our parents were called and <laughs> they ended up finding out everything so it was not good but that's the kind of stuff that I was doing from such an early age and it didn't end there like that was just the first part like that was pretty much my middle school and high school years drinking and partying and sneaking out and hanging out with boys and just really getting into all kinds of trouble so I had a very early experience with alcohol and so I drank in middle school all through high school um, right after high school I started dating somebody who was a, quite a bit older than me. Uh, let's see, I was 18 and he was 23. So I had just graduated high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do in life or even who I was as a person. I was honestly like clueless and just thrown out into the adult world. And I was dating this guy who had already graduated college and was already into his career and he was pretty Christian so when I dated him I didn't really drink one because I wasn't old enough and he was so it would be weird for me to be underage drinking around him and he didn't drink at all so it just never really happened so I dated him for close to four years and didn't really drink much in that time. We were going to church a lot and life actually was pretty good at that time. And we were together for four years and ended up breaking up for many reasons. And I packed up my stuff and moved to Sedona, Arizona for a little bit. And after being there for a while, my ex had convinced me to go back to California and see if we could make things work. So I decided to give it one last try. So I packed up my stuff and drove back to California. And the day that I got back to California and saw him, he told me that he had accepted a job offer in Atlanta, Georgia. And so he basically just said, like, why don't you come with me and we'll see if we can make it work. So me, like, I had quit my job, so I didn't have a job, and I already had all my stuff packed up, like, no plan. It seemed like, all right, well, I guess why not? If it doesn't work, I can always move back home to California. So we went out to Atlanta, and I remember having my 21st birthday there, and I don't think I drank. Um, we went out to a really nice steakhouse, and I can't remember. I may have got a glass of wine, but I, I really don't think I did because I, I didn't really drink at the time. 
And so, yeah, when I was 21, I wasn't even really drinking, which is ironic because I had, you know, when I was underage all this time. Anyways, we were in Atlanta and we tried to make our relationship work and it just didn't. So we decided to go our separate ways and instead of me moving back home to my family in California, I decided to stay in Atlanta and see if I could make a life work there for myself. It was an awesome place. There was a ton of culture and I lived in a super cute part of town, um, really cute coffee shop right down the street walking distance that I would go and hang out at all the time. At that time, I worked at a massage so I worked the front desk at a, at a, I think it was like Massage Envy or Massage Heights or one of those. So I was working there and I remember working at the front desk and just checking people in and answering the phones and stuff. And I remember this girl coming in asking me if I had ever considered working in a nightclub. And at the time I wasn't making great money at the massage place. And I was open. I mean, I worked during the day at the massage place, so I kind of had nights open if I wanted to even supplement my income and have a second job. So I had never really considered it before, but decided to go and interview, because why not? And I ended up going to interview and got the job as a cocktail waitress and ended up working myself into the nightlife industry, which... At that time, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I started working at one of the clubs in Atlanta, and then after a couple months, started working at the number one nightclub in Atlanta, which honestly, like, I was so naive, so naive, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I remember... <clears throat> the first couple weeks of working, there was like the bar and then there was like a closet behind it that was a cocktail waitress station where we had all our stuff. And I remember working a section with another girl and we were putting all our stuff away in the, in the uh, closet and she just pulls out a bag of cocaine. <laughs> it's like, do you want some? Like, like it was like a piece of gum, like, so like nonchalant and casual and honestly I like I had never seen drugs in my life I was like honestly just super shocked like I again just like super naive <laughs> so at that point like I declined and wanted nothing to do with it I was so uncomfortable like I wanted to leave that night and go home like I don't know if I'm cut out for this waitress life. I don't know if I can do this. <sighs> but very soon after that, I ended up trying cocaine for the first time and quickly got addicted to it and started drinking a ton. And this is honestly like where the downward spiral began and it lasted for a really long time. So there are a lot of pieces that are probably important that will be left out of this just 
for time's sake and I really just don't want to get into all of it. But um, I started working at the club, started drinking a ton. And honestly, like there in Atlanta, and I'm sure in most places, like I live in Utah now and nightlife culture is a lot different here. But in Atlanta, when you're a cocktail waitress, like bottle service, you're almost expected to drink and entertain clients, which is super unhealthy because we were drinking so much every night and it was almost expected. And so like shot after shot, like I was wasted most nights and I worked there four to five nights a week. So most nights I was getting shitty drunk and blackout sometimes. I did drive when I know that I shouldn't. I tried to be responsible as much as possible and sober, but I'm just like so grateful looking back that nothing bad ever happened, that I've not gotten a DUI or hurting anybody by driving, drinking and driving. Um, this was a really dark time for me because I had been going to church a lot and really connected in my faith before this point. And as soon as I got into nightlife and drinking every day, I felt my spiritual tether or connection just like separate and I went into darkness. I was no longer myself anymore. I was doing all kinds of things that would normally be out of character to me. I was very provocative, posting very um, sexual pictures on my Instagram and just really not caring about anything or anyone, just doing my own thing. And when I'm at a place in life where I know that I'm doing things that I probably shouldn't be, I distance myself from most of my friends and family, mainly my family, just because I know that what I'm doing is wrong and I either don't want them to know or I don't want to hear their opinion because I'm stubborn and hard-headed. <laughs> I guess I just need to figure it out on my own. But yeah, I, I, I feel like I lost my spiritual connection. I lost my connection to my family. The friends that I had at the time were very superficial friends that I knew through the nightlife industry and we really just knew each other through drinking and drugs and partying and without that stuff we would have really no connection. It just was a really low point in my life. I started dating somebody that I knew in that industry and I mean it was just the same shit. like partying, drinking. I became very violent and I won't hold back when I say this because it is very serious, very serious. It was domestic violence. I did all kinds of terrible things. I really hurt the person physically that I was with and I just would black out and do the most crazy things and not remember any of it in the morning. I just, I knew that wasn't me, but I wasn't sure what happened to me, like where 
Demi had gone, I felt like a different person. I felt like something had taken over and I just couldn't see the light. It was really tough because I was just so sucked into the nightlife industry. So another thing, when I used to get blackout drunk, I would self-harm. And so I remember when I was in Atlanta, I had cut my leg up like crazy and the guy I was dating was like super mortified and didn't really know what to do. And I had done that most of my life, um, especially when I was younger. And so now looking back, I just, I see what it is. Like I, I was basically just crying out for attention. I needed help and I didn't know how to verbalize that. And it was coming out in other ways like anger and self-harm. So after realizing that I needed help, I ended up calling my dad and my sister who live in Utah and just telling them, you know, I need help. I need, I need to get out of here. I need to be closer to you guys. And so right after that phone call, I packed up my stuff. And the next day I was driving to Utah. So one thing I can say is running away from your problems, no matter where you move, they will just follow you. Moving to Utah did nothing because right when I moved, I picked up right where I left off. I got a job my very first day that I got into Utah. I got a job at a bar and quickly found drugs and found who I could get drugs from. And those were the people that I started hanging out with and partying with. So everything I was trying to escape in Atlanta just followed me right to Utah. I picked up from day one. So I just continued going down this downward dark spiral. And when I got to Utah, I knew I knew something was wrong. I tried seeing a therapist at that point. I did start to realize that I had a problem and something needed to change at that point, but I wasn't serious about it yet. And I was still doing all the destructive things that I had been doing before. So I hadn't quite figured it out yet and was very much still on a destructive path. So I did that for a couple more years in Utah, just a ton of partying, cocaine, alcohol, molly, whatever kind of drugs. I mean, I did a lot. <laughs> I did a lot in Utah and um, would feel super guilty and ashamed about it, yet would still just continue on the path for whatever reason. And so I started dating somebody when I lived in Park City, and we went on to date for close to three years. But our relationship started with alcohol and continued the entire time. So our first date, we got shit-faced, and literally that's how our relationship continued for three years. And when I tell people that I had a problem with alcohol, most people that I know, that I worked with, or maybe just knew personally, 
never would have thought that I had as big a problem as I did. I still always kept myself together. I still did my hair and makeup. I still worked out and went to yoga and did all these things. Meanwhile, I was drinking half a bottle to a full bottle of liquor a night, a bottle to two bottles, sometimes more of wine a night. I was drinking until I blacked out every single night for three years at least. Well, more than that, a few taken Atlanta into consideration. But it really hit a new level when I moved to Utah and got into this new relationship. So, we'll get a little more personal and deep. Um, when I was dating this person, even though we had a problem with alcohol, in the beginning, for the most part, he treated me very well. And at this point, I started to have flashbacks of an experience I had in Atlanta. And so I started seeing a therapist and started going through all of this therapy. And basically, in the beginning phases of when I had, maybe like beginning to middle of when I had moved to Atlanta, I was drugged and sexually assaulted by somebody that I knew in the nightlife industry. And after it had happened, it's really crazy how the mind and everything works. I pretty much pretended like it didn't happen. And I just kind of went on with my life. I was in like this super heavy party phase. And I remember the day after I went home and drank a bottle of whiskey and just like blacked out for a couple days. When I finally got up and got out of bed and got myself together, I just kept on with life as normal. It's strange looking back, but now that I know more about psychology and trauma and all this stuff, like it makes perfect sense. But I didn't, um, I didn't start acknowledging it until I started having these flashbacks and started going to therapy. It made sense because I had been physically abusive to my ex before that. And then now in the relationship that I was currently in, again, would black out and get super abusive, very violent, very angry. And I don't feel like I'm naturally an angry person. I think I'm a very loving and kind person. So when I would have these violent blackouts, I would wake up just so confused because that's not me. Like, that's not who I know myself to be. And the fact that it kept happening over and over, I just couldn't understand. So as I started to go to therapy and kind of work through the trauma, it all started to make sense to me. And it started to make sense why I had so much anger and why I was lashing out in violence and why... I kept having so many incidents of self-harm. It's because I I was just trying to get attention in any way because I needed help. All I needed was somebody to like love and nurture me and help me through it, but I just 
wasn't getting that in my life at the time. So I believe that drinking from such an early age before my mind was even developed had a lot to do with my addiction to alcohol and later my addiction to drugs and and then experiencing sexual assault in my early 20s that trauma absolutely fueled the fire and just pushed me into a deeper downward spiral it took a lot of me fucking up my life and hurting people that I loved and cared about until I realized that something needed to change. I I spent years trying to quit and go to therapy. I tried all kinds of hypnotherapy and I read a tons of books and it honestly it took me it took me years of trying to get sober and when I say trying to get sober I mean going a month two months, three months sober, and then relapsing and going back into my old patterns and habits again. So it took me, you know, trying and failing so many times until it finally actually stuck. And it's been a lot of unpacking myself and, you know, purging a lot of toxic relationships and surrounding myself with people who genuinely love and support me and want to see me do good and want to see me thrive and be successful and aren't going to judge me and it's been it's been a lot of work um I realized that I was using alcohol as a crutch I was numbing the pain I I I'm pretty good at facing things but for a long time I didn't even know what I was feeling or dealing with so I was definitely using alcohol to numb out but when I would drink in the quantities that I would I wouldn't just numb out I would black out and it sounds like whatever your beliefs are when I would black out I I literally felt like something took over my body because the actions and the words were not in alignment with who I normally am as a person. And so what I would when I would wake up after having, you know, violent blackouts, I would be so confused because that's not who I am and people would tell me the things that I said and I just couldn't believe it because that's not like it didn't seem like me. And I've even had people say that um, when I've gotten in those blackouts that my eyes go black and that they're looking at me and it doesn't even look like me, like I've like checked out and freaks me out. I have pictures of myself when my eyes look like that and it just is so hard for me to even look at. Getting sober is the best thing that I could have ever done for myself and for my life. Like I said, I used to self-harm a lot and in the thick of it here in Utah, there were a few times where 
I don't want to say I attempted suicide because I did a pretty shit job because I didn't, I know, I know that I didn't actually want to die. I just was crying out for attention. I needed help. And the only way I felt like I could get people to seriously listen to me was by doing something dramatic enough to where it would get people's attention and get them to realize that I had a problem and I needed help. I never would have been able to unpack my trauma and deal with the pain and the confusion of being sexually assaulted by somebody I knew and trusted. I never would have been able to realize that I am strong enough to deal with emotions, tough emotions, and I am capable of doing everything without the crutch of alcohol. Life is crazy, and I feel like a lot of shitty things happen. We have a decision of if we are going to be a victim or if we want to take back control of our lives. I'm still working through, you know, the pain and trying to figure it out and just doing the work and and I finally just got to a point where I said I am not a victim I refuse to be a victim yes I feel pain I have wounds and I hurt from things people have done to me but I have also grown so much from it and I truly believe that I would not be here right now. I would not be the human that I am today if that stuff hadn't have happened to me. So I believe everything does happen for a reason. And I believe that I was meant to go through that pain to be able to be stronger and be where I am today and share my story and connect with other people who have gone through similar things. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And that's how I got sober. I love being sober. I, I love feeling the emotions, even though it's so hard. It's like, a, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I will continue to share my story. And there's still a lot more. Like I said, I, I left out a lot. I feel like I just needed to like hit on the basics. But I just thank you guys so much for following along on this journey and following Mindful Times. Mindful Times is my baby, and I love it, and I'm so excited where it's going, and I'm so excited to see where it goes, especially um, this coming year in 2020. Big things are happening. So thank you guys so much. Um, I will be doing more videos here on YouTube. Like I said, I have some awesome features coming up on the Mindful Times blog as well as the Mindful Times podcast. So please go subscribe 
to the YouTube channel, to the blog at mindfultimes.co, and to the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you guys so much for listening to my story. It's not easy and it's not always fun stuff to talk about. It's part of my journey and yeah, thank you guys for listening.